What's up, listeners? Welcome to episode 173 of Random Encounter. I've got some quick news for you, and then we're going to jump right into the episode proper. So, first of all, let's look over at the Features Department, which, as always, has Tina Ola contributing with Crowdfunding Chronicles. Tina started shaking up the format of Crowdfunding Chronicles, truncating it down just so we don't get into content fatigue. Uh, this time around, she's focusing on Other Her Loving Embrace, which is a beautiful-looking 8-bit uh, homage kind of game. And, yeah, it's just incredible looking campaign wraps up on november 1st go check it out if you haven't contribute to it get in on that at the ground floor because that game looks stunning over in the reviews department it's busy as per usual zach wilkerson was all over the alliance alive hd remastered and seems like it's holding up with this new upgrade that uh, is much welcomed the Surge 2 from Deck 13 Interactive came out uh, back on the 24th of September, and we, I remember, had a good look at it at uh, E3, and Joe Chop was playing it for us for review, and overall it seems to be a pretty swell game, if it does struggle a little bit, but I'm always down for some more uh, sci-fi RPGs, so this might be a good hit for me. Destiny Connect TikTok Travelers. Alana Higgs was on top of that one for us. This looked really promising, especially coming from my perspective as a parent, so it's unfortunate that it has fallen a little lower. It's only kind of middling at best, but again, perhaps kids might get a little more out of it. So it might be something we might look into for Gwen, and maybe she'll have different opinions from us adults who uh, can't see past the faults. Valkyrie Anatomia The Origin was reviewed by Patrick Gann for us, and it fell pretty flat as well, unfortunately. I mean... It's really cool having another Valkyrie traditional RPG on and having it on the go is wonderful, but it just sounds like it really didn't hold up and it's kind of just another gacha that, uh, eh, gacha. Uh, it's finally here, folks. The Legend of Heroes Trails of Cold Steel 3. RPG fan editor's choice from Caitlin Argyros. She's been waiting for this game for so very long and seems quite thrilled to finally have uh, Neil and latest offering brought overseas finally and uh, she got that review out for us in a very timely manner and it looks fantastic another quick turnaround as well was jonathan logan all over the outer world another rpg fan editor's choice with this one as well we've got some freaking amazing rpgs coming out these days folks so definitely go check out the website and see all the written reviews on those and look forward to some other stuff coming from us like this one Fire Emblem Three Houses, we got a video review up. If you wanted to see a little bit more from the game while the review is going on, go check out our video review. And as always, check out the rest of our channel and like and subscribe and uh, see what else we've got on offer coming to you. And that's it. Just a few reviews and now on to the episode proper. Hello fans of RPGs, also known as RPG fans. No wait, we're RPG fan. Hi, I'm Greg Delmage. I'm your host today on Random Encounter, uh, your regularly scheduled podcast about whatever games we feel like playing and talking about, you know, and news and whatever shenanigans as uh, you have been experiencing over the past few weeks uh, or months, whatever. 
Anyways, today uh, I am joined by Nathan Lee once more. It's just a two-hander with him and I. Nathan, how you doing? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing pretty good, actually. It's been a, uh, a good couple of weeks of just kind of getting life back together after my wedding. We were, you know, It's been two months, but like our house is still reeling from all of it and getting things away that we don't need anymore because who needs wedding decorations again uh, and stuff like that. Uh, so it's just been... There's been a lot, and then I've had plenty of auditions, which is great. I just booked on something, so that's exciting. So I'll be filming that next month. Oh, nice. um, yeah, it's one day on a pilot episode of something, which is cool, because if it gets picked up, then there's always opportunity for my character to come back around. So we'll see what happens. How about yourself? How you been? Doing all right. Uh, trying to get through all these new RPGs that are coming out. We do have plans for sure, uh, and today is also election day here in Canada for uh, uh, municipal election, right? We're voting for our MPs. Oh well, it's federal election, so we just sorry, federal. Up. Thank you, municipal, <laughs> right? Sorry, today's our federal election as well uh, as we're all voting for our MPs. So uh, that's been uh, a fun start of the day as well. I went out early this morning at around eight thirty a.m. here in BC to get that done before the podcast. And uh, Nathan also ran out early, earlier to uh, get that done as well. So we have both voted. We've done our civic duties. Yep. That was, awesome. Uh, Exercising, you're right. Yep. <laughs> so at any rate, uh, aside from politics and everything else, which nobody probably really wants to ever hear about, uh, we're here to talk about some video games. Uh, we've actually had a few new releases come out. One of those is Little Town Hero, which dropped, was it last week? Yeah, last, uh, was it Wednesday or Thursday? I can't remember. Something like that, yeah, exactly. Uh, Little Town Hero is the latest game from Game Freak, where they're kind of deviating out from the Pokemon franchise, which is awesome. And we've had some cautious optimism about it, and Nathan, you've been playing it for review. How's it stacking up? Um, it's kind of a weird one to really describe, because... I think a lot of people remember Lowtown here from what we saw of it the first time around, which looked a lot more RPG-like than what it ended up turning out to be. Oh, really? Yeah, so Lowtown Hero is... I want to describe it more as, as a card game than an RPG. Like, I, I'm like, a, like about 10 or so hours into the game, and I haven't found anything like that's remotely like an RPG. So I'm not quite sure where the RPG description came from. I feel like they just kept that moniker from when it was first announced and it's carried over even though the genre seems to have changed and how like is there not even really any rpg light kind of elements like or there's just no growth to it like or is it just purely action adventure with card gaming elements and then no real i guess class or equipment or experience gaining or anything no there's no experience gained there's no uh real progression with your character after you win a battle you get what are called like eureka points so you can use your Eureka points to, to upgrade like an attack or defense of your cards. But that's about the only thing that's different. Oh, interesting. So, that's yeah, that's very light on the RPG elements. Yeah, it's like, I'm trying to think if it's anything that's remotely like it. Because you can't really upgrade your health. You can't upgrade... You can't really upgrade much of anything. Like, you can upgrade your cards to give them different effects, and that's about it. I mean, that still seems rather neat, but it's not, yeah, not quite what we would have expected from like a full-blown RPG experience that we thought we might be getting from them. And to say uh, nothing about the quality of the game all the same, is it still fun even to play as a card game and not quite a full RPG? It is, um, in its own kind of unique way. Like, I haven't played a game like... I don't play card games that much in general, so I haven't played a game like this before. 
I have no idea of like how similar it is to like something like Magic the Gathering or Hearthstone or something like that. But um, it's fun in its own unique way. But uh, I don't know if I would uh, if I would have like spent money on it if if I'd known like what I was getting into. So. Uh, it's just a good thing I'm getting it for review. And I guess most of that is just because you're not super into the card gaming format. That's and it's not like like the the card gameplay itself is fun, but everything else is kind of messy. Like the game's performance is really bad. Like it lags. Like I remember when I was walking out of like the town mine and tr just trying to just walking across a bridge, right, just to get back to like a, a farm, and it was like going at like five frames per second. It was really really bad. <laughs> So well, that's weird. That's lousy to have it so poorly optimized for the Switch. I mean, the Switch isn't exactly the powerhouse that, say, like, you know, some of the latest consoles are, like the Xbox yeah. One S or the PS4 Pro kind of thing. But it's still, it can chug along pretty well. Like, it, but dropping down to five frame, frames per second sounds like really poor optimization on the part of um, Game Freak. Yeah, I know Game Freak did say that they were having trouble with the Switch. And I think that's pretty evident in this game, so I'm hoping a Sword and Shield doesn't have the same issues. Yeah, no kidding. That doesn't bode well for for that. Although, at the same time, they're probably pouring their entire A-team into Sword and Shield, so it's unlikely they'll have the same issues. Now, this isn't... Um, now, there is a chance, I guess, that that on the road they could patch things, though. Yeah, they could patch it out, but... Um... I don't know how much effort Game Freak would put into patching it. I guess we'll have to wait and see. Um, as, as for anything else about the game, like I'm not a big fan of the cast. Like the main character acts, he's kind of like a troublemaker, and he doesn't seem to really care much about like the people around him that much. Um, his That's friend, unfortunate since it's all supposed to be about him helping everybody. <laughs> yeah, it feels like he's just doing it really just to like. Because he wants to accomplish his own goal of being a soldier, not because he actually wants to help people. Um, maybe, you know, if there's always a chance he could change down the road, you know. So I'm hoping he does. But uh, even, his, even his friends that he, that he goes along with, they're just, like, not very interesting. Or and I, I, Maybe it's just me coming off of Fire Emblem Three Houses, and where I love the cast of that game, and then I come into this one, and it's meh. <laughs> yep, that's fair. Uh, I was, I've been playing Fire Emblem Three Houses a bit now, too, and I've been doing Black Eagles as well. There's even as little into the game as I am. I think I'm in the second or third month. Uh, and it's, yeah, everyone's very endearing and you feel attached to them and getting to know them right out the gate. So I, to swap over to a game where there's not a lot of character growth or development, I guess, would be uh, really shocking, I guess, in terms of like what you're used to. Yeah, it's the characters themselves aren't even, like I said, they're just there, really. <laughs> I don't know. There's there for giving someone to talk to, and there's some rival character that you you fight like twice a chapter. Okay, that's interesting that they brought the uh, rivals into this though to kind of maintain something. I guess maybe from Pokemon. I'm not sure if that's at all what they intended, but it's kind of funny that uh, you have a rival. Yeah. A rival to defend the town. Like we both are going to defend it real good. Yeah, pretty much. Except that he can't stand you being better than him, so he just challenges you. Like to like I just like I just did this one chapter where. Like, we just fought each other, right? Then I just walk over to the farm or whatever to accomplish something. Or just say, I just had to talk to someone. Then I walk back to them, and he's just like, I want to fight you again. I'm just like, we just fought each other, like, five minutes ago. You want to fight me again? Rude. Yeah, you think uh, he would have given up at this point, but I guess the guy's just determined to try and beat you. Yeah, no kidding. Now, one thing I did want to ask, uh, coming from the perspective of being a parent, is it possible that 
this would be more geared towards like my daughter, for example, might find a better experience with this, given how simplistic a lot of the, you know, the gameplay and the development is of the um, the gameplay mechanics, and maybe the character progression is it maybe more in line for a younger audience as opposed to yourself or myself. Um, but the, when it comes down to the gameplay, I'd say that it requires like you to really think about the cards that you end up using because they all have different effects, and you know, enemy cards have effects too. So it's something you have to like constantly think about in your mind as you go through the battles. Is like, should I use this card here or this card here? So it's something, and you know, you don't have infinite cards, right? So the only way for you to get your cards back is to spend points like that you get for destroying all the enemy cards in one turn, or you have to take a hit. And we, you know, you only have three hits. So once you, you know, you get hit twice, that's the, all your refreshes you can do for your deck. It's only like 10, 15 cards, I think, for your deck. So it's. Like it's a constant like, like like thinking game. You guys have to think about what stuff you have to do. Oh, that's interesting. So there's yeah. So you only get so in battle. Uh, I guess go more into that. So you get three hits, and then you have your your cards kind of basically as you are playing to attack and take hits and whatnot. And then once those three hits are out, just the battle's failed, and then your game over. Or do you get to retry it again, or how does that work? Okay, I lost my very first battle, which is the tutorial battle. <laughs> So that was uh, that was fun. I lost my tutorial battle, but the, I think you just restart. I think you restart because I'm not sure because it's a tutorial battle, so they might have just been like, "Ah, oh, you can just restart." So I'm honestly not sure, but th th that's the battle that really taught me like how to like really go about like because each card has their own attack and defense values you can use. You know, each card is like attack card, defense card, and support card. So defense cards you can use like whenever you want as long as they have enough defense points to take a hit. Attack points, attack cards you only use once, and support support cards you can use like. Like uh, as many times as you want, as long as you have the enough points to use them. This is a point system, so in order to actually make the card, actually be able to play the card, you have to use points. You get them by like basically going through the battle itself by breaking all the other opponent's cards, and you spend the points to basically be able to use the cards. Because sometimes you can't use the card right away because you don't have enough points to do it. So it all depends on how many points you have. Right. Okay. Uh, and then story-wise. You know, like you said, the characters are kind of amber. Is at least the story intriguing enough to kind of warrant you to play along? Or is again, is it very simple and like, oh, a kid would get something out of this, but for myself, it's kind of flimsy? Yeah, so the story itself is the, basically what happens is he wants to be a soldier because he wants to go out and, ex and explore the world as an adventurer or whatever. But it uh, turns out that uh, monsters are invading town and no one knows why. So that so he ends up just becoming like almost like a soldier in his own town. So that's I guess that's where the name comes from. Because instead of, you know, going on a grand adventure, it's, it's you having to defend town from monsters. Right. And it kind of looked like it was almost kind of tower defensey. Like, is that how it plays out with the monsters invading and you kind of have to maneuver around the town? Or how does that play out? Each fight is one-on-one. -on -one, so you, you only fight one monster at a time. At least as far as, uh, like, I've played, you only fight one monster at a time. I don't see how you can fight two at a time. It would be really weird mechanic-wise. So every boss fight so far has just been one-on-one. -on -one and... The boss fights can take a while. Like I, I usually spend like half an hour on a boss fight because each turn will take like it takes me like it took the last boss like twenty turns, twenty five turns to beat it. And each turn, you know, takes like a minute, a minute and a half. Well, then to get into battles, though, how does that work out? Like, because if you're not adventuring out and seeing enemies and encountering them, since they're coming to you, or is there basically just like you know story beats, and then all of a sudden someone's like, "There's a monster," and then you go to it. Like, is it all written into the story, or is there any kind of random aspect to it? No, it's all it's all just relevant to the story. There's no random battles. There's no like encounters in town. It's just uh, you know go, go to this part of the story and then 
you know, maybe, maybe a monster will appear, maybe not, or maybe I have to do a fight, who knows. So, so, so one fight, one the, so like I said, with that rival character, you can fight him, and then, you know, you go to the next area, that, oh, they saw the sheep are out of control, so you have to fight the sheep, and then, you know, then one the sheep turns into a gigantic monster, then you have to fight that, that that's the boss fight for the chapter. Okay. Interesting. So it plays mostly like, um, I guess it's kind of like an adventure game then. You're just kind of going through the story beats and doing the encounters as they come. And there's a bit of a, I guess, you know, you get to battle and stuff like that. But it is mostly about just kind of progressing through the story, less about exploring and the adventure of it all. Yeah. Yeah, that would be, I guess, different from what it seemed like it could have been. Which is a shame, because if, if it is getting this kind of a lukewarm reception, it's possible there won't be any further development into this world and everything as charming as it looks, but yeah, it's, it's, I don't know. It's like, I, I don't know. I don't know what to think about this game. This is going to be an interesting review when I read it. So you said you're about 10 hours in. Uh, do you feel like you're nearing the end? No, I, I, well, I don't know how many chapters are in this game, but, uh, one chapter, was it near the middle of chapter three, I think, Either maybe the end of chapter three. I don't know. So it's hard to know when a monster will pop up and be like, Hey, this is the boss battle for this chapter. Because especially with that sheep, I'd like, you know, I just, you know, I just fought three sheep and I was like, okay. So there's four sheep and the four sheep turned into a monster. So I was like, okay, I guess this is my boss fight. (laughs) That's bizarre. It actually kind of sounds a bit like uh, playing Little Dragon's Cafe back when I did that on the PS4, where you're kind of, again, just mostly playing through the story for the sake of the story. Like for all intents and purposes, you could be reading a book that you can kind of interact with. And it's mostly about just... You know, collecting ingredients to build up your cafe's recipe list to get more guests and customers in, which will basically build your cafe up to the next point where it's like, cool, you've hit this checkpoint, now you can move on to the next beat in the story, and so on and so forth until the entire chapter resolves itself, and then there's a new secondary character that kind of gets introduced, and you follow their story again. And there's no real exploration or deviation outside of that or encountering people sooner rather than later like it's just as the story progresses and as you go at your own pace or accelerate through it like it's really up to you how fast you get through the different beats in the story and i guess this is kind of the same that's actually a pretty uh, good comparison because uh, i play little dragon's cafe myself and that's it's pretty much the same thing except obviously a lot less exploring because this town is so small yeah, that's one thing that's kind of nice about Little Dragon's Cafe is that you have a lot to explore in the island itself. But once you've explored it all, you've explored it all, and there's really not a lot of hidden secrets or anything to it until your dragon gets bigger and you can fly around. It's still pretty simple, but again, for kids, it's a really wonderful, simple, digestible exploration experience. It's not like you know a big, epic, ginormous world like Fallout or... Dragon Age Origin, or not Origins, Dragon Age um, Inquisition, or anything like that. So it's a lot simpler for them to get into. Whereas for us, it seems pretty watered down by comparison. Yeah, I can agree with that. But still, I don't know. Uh, I'm ex- I'm interested to see your review. Like it's it's not exactly being shut down from what I've seen through reviews by most people, but it isn't also a glimmering gem uh, that's kind of been the second coming of the company, unfortunately. Yeah. So. I'm curious to see what you'll have to say about it once you get it out, hopefully sooner rather than later, and then uh, make our own decisions as to whether it's a good one for Gwen to pick up or not. She seemed intrigued by it when she saw the trailer for it at E3, but like she hasn't really talked about it much. But uh, yes. Gwen's also of a generation where, rather than playing video games all the time, she's mostly addicted to just watching YouTube on her iPad. <laughs> uh, it, it, it is what it is. Yeah. 
That sounds about right. And yeah, and it's like we try to encourage her to do other things, even other things on screens. Be like, you can play Minecraft on the new computer. You can, you know, you haven't played Little Dragons Cafe in ages. And she always is like, oh yeah, I really like that. But it just for her, it's just so easy just to shut herself in her room and like sit on her iPad for an hour or something like that. And we're just like, come out and be with us. And to a point, we want to be parents that are just like, no, you can't. It's it's a hard line to to draw with trying to limit that sort of stuff, but also let them have the freedom to choose and do what they want to do as well. And it's a fine line to go through, but as long as she's got homework done and she's socializing regularly enough, like if she spends an hour or two, just like putting around on YouTube and oftentimes she'll like draw or something on the side, but it's just bizarre to me. I'm like, we have like every console in the house and maybe it's just choice paralysis and she's overwhelmed by having everything available as opposed to like me growing up as a kid. I didn't have anything except like a Nintendo. So when I went to my friend's house, it's like, oh my gosh, you got a Super Nintendo. I'm going to play that a bunch with you now. Or yeah. let's play X-Wing on the PC together. And everything that I didn't have, I basically vicariously lived through them when I got to go over to their house and play with them and then would come home. So maybe that was just the difference whereas Gwen has access to everything as it is so she just kind of takes it for granted hmm. yeah I feel like that because I, I grew up the same way as you where I only had one console at a time because that's all my family could afford so you know I only had the one thing to focus on so that's I, you know I spent all my time playing back in one console mm-hmm. yeah it's interesting did you ever play Metopia on the DS I did I actually reviewed it for RPG fan now Gwen absolutely loves and adores Metopia, and that's something she does often go back to. Like, it's one of the few games she actually likes grinding at, too, and everything, because she's completely finished it and is in the end game now where she you can just kind of grind and take on whatever random quests I think get thrown at you from what she's described to me. Yeah. Uh, would How does uh, Little Town Hero kind of stack up to, like, playing Metopia? Is it kind of in the same vein for difficulty-wise and story-wise and such? Uh, Metopia is a lot easier in comparison to Little Town Hero. Oh, interesting. And, um... I'll- even though Metopia's cast are all knees, I like the Metopia cast better. <laughs> yeah. That, that's <laughs> that's unfortunate, although yeah. when they're all just like randomly generated yeah. little things. But I guess they're also randomly generated to be silly and funny, so I guess that would make them possibly more intriguing than a cast written a specific way. Yeah, like, like I said, this cast of characters in Lowtown Heroes is just like, I don't care about them at all. Well, that's unfortunate, but like I said, I am... Looking forward to seeing uh, what you have to say about it. Uh, For myself, I finally did get to finish out Monster Hunter World Iceborne. Uh, I've been playing that basically many hours a day for the past two, three weeks to try and get it done and catch up since I was behind on embargo and everything and this release due to my wedding and everything. And it was a much bigger expansion than I was expecting it to be. So it's been great. Yeah, I got my review up and ready. We're just going to go through proofing and all that stuff. But it was good. It's it's basically a sequel, which is really neat. And, I mean, I talked with Mark uh, a bit about it last time since he was more familiar with it than Joe on the last episode. Mm-hmm. But it's it's a solid game, and I definitely recommend it to Monster Hunter fans. I mean, I'm not going to go into too much because my review will be coming out soon enough. But now that I've finished it, it was worth finishing. Uh, I just wouldn't do it all in one go that intensely. Perhaps I probably would have side quested a lot more and grinded for some more gear and stuff, but I kind of, kind of smashed my head against the wall a few times just trying to get through the main story missions so I could get through the story for review purposes. Yeah, but it was neat, and it was nice. Have you played the other Monster Hunter games? Just out of curiosity. No, this is actually the first one. Monster Hunter World was my first experience with it. I played. Oh, what was it? There was one on the DS, like 
Generations 4 or something. I don't know. There was one on the, th- sorry, the 3DS, yeah. like Generations 4 or something. I can't remember what it was. And I tried the demo of it and kind of bounced off it. It just seemed a little obtuse to me. And I guess the minutiae of it kind of glossed over me. And I just didn't really know what was going on in the demo. It seemed like the kind of thing that, while the demo was cool, it seemed more geared towards people who already knew what was going on in the series. So Monster Hunter World did a really good job of kind of hand-holding me into it just enough that I still felt, you know, like it wasn't just everything tutorial, here's how to do all this stuff easy, but at the same time, uh, you know, it offered enough of an ease into this complex uh, mechanics and, uh, I guess, gear-building system (laughs) that is Monster Hunter that I really took to Monster Hunter World. It's just light on narrative, so when I got to a point where I was like, eh, I want more story, I kind of bounced off it for a bit to try some other stuff that actually had more engaging story and stuff like that. True. But that is one of the things about Monster Hunter. It's never really had an engaging story. It's always been about, you know, you always brought into town for whatever you... This town has monster problems, so you just go in there and fight things, and then, you know, some kind of weird mystery pops up, and then that's basically your story. Yeah, and it's the same in Monster Hunter World and Monster Hunter World Iceborne. Everything just kind of serves... Even if there is a big, weird, bizarre mystery as to why monsters are behaving a certain way, it's all geared up towards why you want to hunt the next thing. Yeah. That's just generally what Monster Hunter stories are all about. You sound like you've played them in the past. Yeah, so I've played... Well, I missed all the ones on PSP, which is when I think a lot of Monster Hunter fans will say the glory days were. So I played the original on PS2, and then... Once it, once it came out on Wii, Monster Hunter Try on Wii, and then I've played every Monster Hunter since then. And so you've played World then as well? I did play World. Um, I didn't enjoy it that much. Like, I think, I think I named it my most disappointing game of 2017 or 18, whatever it came out. I just, really, why is that? I don't know. I, maybe I'm just like an old, I'm just an old man when it comes to Monster Hunter, but I just could not get into World. Like, the mechanics were too different to me. Uh, it just seemed like I didn't realize it was so. It was that night and day. Yeah, it, it just seemed too handholdy to me because I mean I'm just used to you know Monster Hunter games being like, hey, just throw you guys into the combat and you just learn everything else on the fly. And then Monster Hunter World kind of comes in and, te- and tells you, hey, this is how you're supposed to do things, and this is the way you know how to properly hunt monsters. And maybe it's, it's just the thing with the like part of the fun with Monster Hunter was actually going out to hunt the monsters, because in this game you use glow flies, and they basically tell you, hey, here's the, the, what a monster is, you just chase it around the map. Yeah, I kind of wish like the tracking system was less obvious. I mean, the scout flies are cool, and in, there's again, when I was just trying to get through it in a timely fashion, it was nice to have the, here's the next thing, here's the next thing, here's the next thing, clipping me through it all. But I, I had times where I wished where I was like really trying to get down into the dirt to really look for tracks. Cause there's sometimes where you caught them just when you weren't targeting the monster and you're like, Oh neat tracks, but they kind of give everything away. So scout flies is a thing that's exclusive to world. Yeah. So scout flies weren't in the, uh, the previous games. Cause no one to really track down monsters. You had to either start, you have to basically go around the whole map. When you first encounter a monster, you go around the whole map, see where they are. And then, then you have to, to track them, you have to throw paintballs and like paintballs are pretty sure they're in world as well. But uh, the people like paintballs are basically useless in world because you have the glowflies anyway. So, but that's how you use to go around and track monsters. You throw, throw paintballs, then you, you see on the map like okay, the monsters over here. Then if you don't throw paintballs, you have to go find it again. So, that, that's the kind of monster I enjoy. Huh. That yeah, that sounds completely different. And 
I think that aspect of it, I really wish, yeah, Monster Hunter World had more of that. But as far as it kind of instructing you in, like, good ways to approach your fight, that I appreciated. Because the one thing it does do, even if it does give you those tips and everything about how to best fight monsters and such like that, it doesn't really teach you how to use any of the weapons. That's kind of up for you to figure out how to do the different combos and how to best execute your use of your chosen weapon. So... I leaned into the because I think the insect glaive is new for Monster Hunter World. Uh, that was no, that was in, it was in four or generations. Oh, okay. Uh, the one that's new, yeah, the one that's new, I think, is the um, wait, which one is it? Uh, never mind, I forget which one it is. <laughs> I think it's one of the crossbows or something like that. Maybe. It might be like if there's a, there's a crossbow. So the hunting bow, the hunting bow is new. No, no, that was in that was in four generations. Hmm. No, sorry, I can't remember which. I know one. the the gun lance. I think is new. That was in uh, PSP game. Oh, never mind. I'm lying then. I can't remember which one was new either. Uh, I thought it was the insect clay, but I guess not. But either way, I, that's what I took to first and started getting used to, and definitely started off not being great at. It, but now I got to the point where like I can juggle myself and do a lot of aerial combos and stuff like that, yeah. and it's really satisfying once you start to get it. And it's the same with like learning how to use the hammer as well. At first, I just didn't quite get it, but then I knew how to best position monsters where I needed them to start whacking them better and doing like the sliding down hills and flip into them to deal out more and more damage. So in that way, it still lets you kind of figure things out. Yeah, like Monster New World's always, oh sorry, Monster New Games have always been about like stick, like trying out different weapons and seeing what sticks with you and then kind of specializing with that particular class of weapon. So it's always been like the, the one thing that I really liked. You yeah. can always just find a weapon that works best for you, right? Well, and that's exactly it. Like, there's been a few other tried out. Like, I tried the longsword, which is a classic standby, for example, and it just didn't quite jive with me as much. Maybe not as much maneuverability. And you know, this is me coming from someone with the hammer, but I found the hammer combos a lot easier for some reason. At any rate, it's it's a good game from what I see. And whether I'll try other monster hunters, I don't know. Especially since again, there's so much still coming out for this. Like they gave us so much free stuff, and then this big expansion, and then they're only going to give us more free stuff to have more hunts and more things added to the guiding lands, which is the end game for this. Is uh, neat because that's one thing I didn't really talk about. Is the guiding lands comes after you beat the game, and it's basically just a floating island kind of thing that has all the different regions from monster hunter worlds in it so you can counter all the monsters in those different areas and it levels up as you hunt the different monsters in their area so like if you're hunting monsters in the ancient forest section the ancient forest section will have its level increase so the monsters will get harder and like the more rare monsters or um or uh, tempered monsters might show up so that'll give you access to more rare materials and it has gathering points from all the different areas of course as well and you can get more rare drops from the gathering points that you can't get in the actual locations. You can only get these in the guiding lands, so it's great to really up that endgame content and just to give you a fun place to explore. And also introduces Zenogre, uh, which mm-hmm. you're probably familiar with yeah. from previous games. So it's it's a neat place to give players a lot more to play around with and do with. And then, of course, with introducing new monsters as they go, it's going to have another good year and a half of life left in this game. Yeah, at like, least. The Monster Hunter World sounds like they're really like di- diving into really supporting the game, which is great because, like, 
previously in Monster Hunter games, very got very little post game content. Like once the game came out, it's not post game. Like it's just I should say like DLC after the game came out. It's usually like oh here's a new uh, armor set or here's a new like like weapon, just different weapons and maybe like the odd monster or two. But with the world that they're really diving into it, which is great for people who love who love the game already. Yeah, it's been great. And I once I have a bit of a break because I'm little monster hunted out from the grind of getting through it i do want to go back uh and explore some more of the side stuff through expeditions and such and explore more of one of the side things which is uh, the linian research where you can kind of track down the local linian tribes and kind of play pokemon snap with the surveyor set (laughs) of finding um the linians in specific situations and you take photos of them and he reviews it and it's just it was a fun little change from the usual of hunting but with that little edge of just like anytime I could be photographing stuff, a monster might come and stop me. So I need to make sure I'm aware. So <laughs> I'm excited to explore that a bit more yeah. as well and see what kind of rare stuff I can get from paw swapping with the tribes too, as you get to know them better. So there's a lot more to do and I do want to get into it. I just focused mostly on getting through story content and uh, I do want to farm that final boss because the armor, the final monster gives you is red. So I need to go back for that battle as well, but it's a, uh, it's tough. Fashion hunter. Classic. Right. Well, and it's got, well, it's also got some good skills too, but, uh, my, I went with Namiel, which is a monster introduced later in the game. And it basically gives you this armor that makes you basically look like a Splatoon inkling, like on steroids. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's rad. It's all, yeah, like rubbery and tentacly and really cool. And it had some cool abilities as well. So I ended up being able to farm that fairly well to, kind of get through the end game with yeah that's the thing about monster hunters you always like forget the skills and everything like that it's always about how cool you look <laughs> well that's one thing that's cool too about this one is the added layered armor although i haven't explored it much and seen what else you can do but they do have a function where you can basically layer something over top of the current gear you have i'm not sure if they're going to do that with all the armor sets so if you wanted to make like your you know Baroth armor look like uh puke puke armor I don't know if that's a thing, but essentially you're supposed to be able to wear this layered armor over top of your current armor just for cosmetic purposes, and it doesn't affect the skills or stats or anything like that. So that's something that could be neat down the road. So then you could basically build a hodgepodge of a bunch of different sets that may look weird together, but then be like, I'm going to cosmetic it by wearing this layered armor set, and now I look like I'm wearing a suit and a top hat, and it's all good. <laughs> that, that sounds like cool. So yeah, it's a neat thing to... Include for, yeah, the, the fashion hunters. <laughs> um, but as far as uh, that goes, yeah, my review should be coming up for it soon. And uh, look forward to it because, yeah, it was a great experience. Oh, yeah, and awesome. I am quite positive on it. Uh, you have another review that you're doing as well of another game that came out. not Well, it came out many years ago. And now the new version, Nino Cuny Remastered. Uh, did it drop already? I can't remember the date. No, that was like month ago now it was a month ago okay yeah so neo kuni remastered came out and obviously i've heard from a lot of people on staff that it was fun for what it was but not quite worth revisiting it but you decided to dive back into it so why is that um i feel like i'm in the minority among rpg fan stuff or i feel like the people who talk about neo kuni just don't like it at all and i'm i I, I always look at those conversations and think like i actually kind of like this game like a lot and i don't know like, and I think I might be one of those because I'm one of the people who's like I 
even though everyone tells me not to, I still really want to go back to it. So maybe you might sell me on it. Okay, so Neo Kirby Remastered is like, I don't know if like if you already didn't like the game, I don't think this game will probably like convince you to buy it like frig again if you didn't like it. But if you did like it the first time, it's always fun to go back into this world. This is a great like it's a, like I'm gonna use this word a lot in my review. It's kind of like the kind of like the the kind of like whimsical feeling that you get when you play this game. It's like so it's a really like well-designed world that's it's just visually appealing to the eye. It's just like a lot of fun just to spend time in it. And uh, like, I don't know, it's just a charming game. Like I feel like a game is that just kind of brings you back to your, to your to childhood. And you remember, you, it has the, the, that old like kind of like car- cartoon or anime aesthetic to it. So, um, and then... I think a lot of people complain about the, the gameplay of Nino Kuni because they feel it feels weird to play an action game, but it's also kind of turn-based, and then the AI is also not very good. So I think, yeah, that's the biggest complaint against it, is despite the charm and the, the Studio Ghibli involvement of it all and the, the story is engaging enough, the, the gameplay is what bogs it down. And yeah, the AI with your, the, like these spirits or whatever it is that you have on your team or something. And, well, it's, it's, it's your, uh, the familiars and then it's your, your companions who constantly, like, especially Esther, her AI for whatever reason just constantly forces you to, well, she just constantly spams healing spells even if you only lost like 15% of your health. So I think that's what one of the complaints of the game is. So essentially this is just a polished version, of course. Obviously there's nothing major changed. Was there any DLC release that now is included in this version? or? Uh, so there's new quests for like some gold familiars, I think. It's, it's just like, like you know, like kind of like one-off things. There, there isn't anything like that adds any, like, any significant story parts to it. So for the most part, this is generally the same game that they released years ago. That little bit of DLC that they had. Okay, and yeah, it sounds like yeah, it's not going to sell anybody on it if they weren't already enjoying it the first time around. It's not one of those like I must have this again, like um, for example, Caitlin buying Final Fantasy twelve like seven times. <laughs> but yeah, well, Final Fantasy twelve was different because it was the international version, which we never got. Well, yeah, of course, and I'm being um, silly. Uh, there's definitely games out there that I mean, I would want to rebuy all of the Final Fantasies if I could justify it to myself, for example. <laughs> I just haven't because my PlayStation still works just fine, and I'm not too hard up on myself for loading times or what the graphics were. Then I mean, me, then there's me. I bought Tokyo Mara Sessions five times. <laughs> right, exactly. And you are also chopping at the bit for uh, Rune Factory 4 to come out again too, right? Yeah. That's the, that's the game about multiple copies of and that's exactly it. I mean, I might actually be tempted if for some reason they decided to remaster Rune Factory Frontier, just because the, the bit more polished that game is really actually quite lovely. At any rate, uh, we could go into things we would want to buy and rebuy over and over again uh, at Infinium, no doubt, because that's basically what we're living in right now is a big period of time with so many remakes that uh, getting fresh stuff out, it's not exactly rare because we're still getting tons of brand new things as well, but the remaster thing is a uh, is a big cash cow that most companies seem to want to cash in on. And you think Nino Kuni is going to, I guess, basically sell itself to the people who liked it, and that's about it? Yeah, pretty much. Like, I'm sure like for the first, uh, anyone who hasn't played it for the first time might be interested. Yeah, because I don't have a PS3, so this might be something that attracts me now that it's available again on something that I have. Yeah, especially for uh, Switch owners, if they, like, for some reason, like, you only own Nintendo consoles in your life and you never... Got the chance to play Nino Kuni, you should definitely pick this one up for a Switch. 
Oh, I didn't realize it was also being ported over to the Switch. That's Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, I did see it in there. That is pretty cool. So it's a Switch port of the PS3 game. It's not the remastered version, so it's the original, like, was it 720p, like 30 FPS? Whereas the PS4 and PC versions are, you know, 1080p, 60 FPS. Oh, okay, that's less exciting. But still, the fact that you have it available on... You don't need a PS4 and it was something you wanted. Because that's one of the biggest reasons I wanted a PS3 back in the day was simply just for Nino Kuni. Even though we were already into the PS4 generation, I was like, I really want to get a PS3 just so I can play that and Journey. <laughs> it's just such a pretty game. I don't know how you can look at that and just not be interested in it. Yeah, and that's exactly it. Like, if anime is not your thing, then I can totally understand it. But if you're a fan of Ghibli and its art direction and style, like, this game, even for its charm alone, seems to be enough to try and draw you in. So it's probably something I'll pick up on sale at some point when I can justify it to myself, just uh, right now, there's too many other things to play. Uh, speaking of which, one game that I went back to that I never actually finished was Wargroove on the Nintendo Switch. Was that one, did you ever get, try out Wargroove or see anything about it back when we reviewed it and such? Uh, I haven't. I just haven't played much of it because I think it came out around a time, when was it? I just remember like, I was playing There was it a big drop after yeah. it too. Yeah, then something else came out and then I think... Uh, but by the time I held off on it, there's another game that came out that I wanted to play more. So then, you know, just a constant stream of new stuff coming up that I wanted to play. So it kind of fell by the wayside. But uh, what I played of it, I did enjoy because I was a big fan of um, uh, Advance Wars. So it, it's good to kind of go back to that kind of era. Mm-hmm, exactly. It was Jonathan who reviewed it. I think it was Jonathan's first review at the site, too, actually, or okay. close to. Uh, yeah, and it's... It's interesting, too, its closeness to Advance Wars, because that's another thing that drew me in as well, because I love that series. And as you have, I've been playing the game, you unlock art and direction and such from the concept art stages of the game and a lot of character. And one of the things, the early build of the game was actually looking pretty much like a clone of Advance Wars. And then they changed up the entire theming to make it more fantasy, it looks like, as they went through development, and I guess to try and distance themselves from that. But the first, like... Like alpha screenshots and everything from it all look basically like it's Advance Wars. But that being said, uh, I definitely recommend you get into it <laughs> when you have a moment. It's very easy to kind of pick up and play because it's like Advance Wars. You can kind of just do a mission at a time. And if you don't want to just trek through and dive into mission after mission after mission, you don't have to, which is kind of cool mm. and can be played in kind of small doses, especially with being on the Switch and you can play it on the go. Yeah. I think Probably part of my issue with the, now that all the games are on the Switch is that now there's so many games I could play on Switch that that uh, you know, like even a game like Wargroove, I'm just like, but there's other stuff I could do too. <laughs> well, exactly. It's hard to keep up with. Uh, like if you've already kind of if it's, if it's already bypassed you at this point, it's hard to kind of get yourself to go back when there's too many games to keep up with as it is, especially when you're working at the site and there's so many reviews to keep up on as well. There's constantly new yeah. stuff coming your way that you're just like, all right, cool, going to do this first before I can kind of go back and play for leisure. But, yeah. you know, when you're like in your 80s and retired and <laughs> are thinking about it, be like, Greg said and Jonathan said that Wargroove was rad and I should just play this with my old friends here at the old folks home. <laughs> Because you know they're just going to have Switches in there for the old folks to play. And you can get up there and play Just Dance and Mario Tennis and, you know, play Wargroove against each other. That's true. That's Hot Seat, doesn't it? I think think it does. I haven't tried it yet, but I I think it does do Hot Seat for the multiplayer stuff. Plus there's all the, like, you can make your own story modes and stuff like that to make your own missions. Again, I want to get into, but I know if I do, I'll get sucked in. 
and then I won't do anything else. <laughs> so I need to stay awake because I like creating things. It's problematic. <laughs> I kind of wish I was that creative because uh, whenever all these games come out, like Mario Maker or, or games like Wargroove, I just oh, I, 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 I'm just like, this is going to be a great game, except I'm not creative. So it has like it's something that just won't stick with me. Yeah, that and that's fair too. I mean, Trials HD when that came out back when like my friend and I went down a rabbit hole of making a bunch of Trials courses and stuff too, and making them very intricate and it sucked up a lot of time. Or like Forza, the amount of time I put into like designing card uh, designs, doing like the the outside decals and stuff like that on them, oh, yeah. uh, it was pretty ridiculous. My favorite one I ever made. Still, I made a a Hyundai Genesis. And I made a skin for it that was Wind Waker themed. So it had like the Wind Waker <laughs> nice. link on the side of it. And it was actually really rad and very popular. Nice. Got downloaded a bunch. Because <laughs> then you got in-game money for people downloading your stuff. So it kind of motivated me to do it. Oh, okay. So that was a, like, an incentive to like, create something cool. Yeah, it wasn't simply about just making it so your car looked cool. Like You could actually, quote-unquote, sell the designs, which I thought was a neat aspect. And it definitely motivated a lot of high-end designers to do some crazy stuff out there. Like... There was some ridiculous designs that I don't understand how people made like full on like anime girls and video game scene reenactments and stuff like that. It's, it's insane. Um, my best friend Pat would uh, pride himself. He would make cars that were like advertisement cars, like they were company cars that you would see driving around the city, but for like companies no one would ever want kind of thing. Like he made like a Garnier Fructus car, for example. <laughs> And, like, very, like, you know, uh, it was very, um, it was very true to the design of, like, the logo. Like, he got all that banged down and then just did his own, like, graphic design for everything else. And him being a graphic designer by trade, it was something he was super into. But it's just when you're manipulating all of this in, like, an Xbox game, it was kind of ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. I think I made one for some local Ottawa company as well. Like, we best basically made, like, just dumb cars for uh, designs for companies that probably no one outside of Canada knew. <laughs> it was funny. At any rate, it was uh it's fun going down the rabbit hole of creating stuff and yeah, I like it. I like flexing my creativity that way. I'm actually surprised Gwen hasn't uh started making stuff too because that's one thing she likes as well about a lot of that. And she's been playing Wargroove and she enjoys it as well. And yeah, I'm just surprised she hasn't come to me being like, "I made a mission. Do it." But uh, maybe she hasn't explored that much. Or even knows that that's an option yet, because she might just go right to single-player gameplay and just dive into the arcade or the campaign and such. So I'm not sure. Yeah, maybe it's, like I said, it's probably something she maybe just like probably just playing through the main story. Yeah, and that seems to be kind of it. So it's basically what I'm kind of going back on and off to. But I have another review project coming up, so I'll probably uh, be diving into that and then get back to War Group because I think I'm near the end of the story and like some of those missions, as John said, there is a big learning not learning curve difficulty curve that kind of hits you uh, at some time in the game. And I can I have a few missions where I've beat my head against the wall, just being like, why can't I get it? <laughs> I'm so close. And and it has a whole puzzle side too, which is neat. And I've been exploring that a bit as well, where you have like a specific condition set to go through. But again, sometimes you're just like, what am I missing? Which one soldier isn't doing the one thing to execute yeah. this in one turn? <laughs> ah. It's just it just reminds me so much of Advance Wars. It's like there's always one mission in Advance Wars where it's like, why can't I beat this mission? I've done this like ten times. I still keep losing. And that's exactly it. And I'm sure it's the same in Fire Emblem as well. Like any strategy game, like you can invest so much time into the mission, and then like one thing happens. At least with Fire Emblem, 
uh, three houses, you get to roll back time if like that big crucial turning point was hit. But mm-hmm. with stuff like this where you can't do that, you're like, cool, I just invested an hour in losing. Yeah, that, that, that's part of the issue. Like, that, I'm, on the one hand, I'm glad that uh, Three Houses has that rewind feature because I just did a battle a little while ago, like I once like, when I was when I, when I was playing the game again, and uh, I probably lost a character like three times just trying to do di- lost three different characters, but then I had to keep rerolling time. So I was, I was glad I didn't have to redo the fight, but there's just like <laughs> there's always that one thing where it's like for some reason like the RNG just doesn't go in your favor, and then it just messes you up. Yeah, exactly. Like, uh, they landed a critical that you didn't or whatever. Yeah, it just can mess with you. My thought on Three Houses now, because, you know, it's all these students. And it's really weird because I had one mission where actually I did lose somebody. But the, it's weird because they kind of phrase it when uh, that person, when they passed away in the mission or whatever, just kind of like, oh, I'm done for now. Like, it made it seem yeah. like they would come back. Like, it yeah, was just... So, so I guess But, like, pre- no, they were gone. <laughs> so, in pre... um. I guess I, you know about the game, right? Do I need to? Actually, uh, I still haven't gotten to, like, I'm still, like I said, only three months in, and I haven't had a ton spoiled for me. But like, you know, do it as spoiler free as you're able to, whatever. Uh, okay, so in the first half of the game, like, I don't know how much I can actually spoil, but in the first half of the game, no one actually dies, quote unquote. Like, no one actually dies. Um, oh, okay. So maybe they would have come back. No, like, you still won't be able to use them, so they might as well have died, but no one, no one in the story actually dies in the pre, in the early game. Oh, okay, so, like, they would come back later on, but just for the, like, is it just for the duration, or do they miss a few missions, or? No, no, like, once, once you lose a character, like, in the first half of the game, you still can't use them ever again, but, uh, they'll, they'll still be in, like, those, I'm assuming they're still wandering around the monastery, right? Oh, okay, cool. I didn't explore it that much. When it happened, I reloaded, because I liked that character, and I was investing in them already, so I didn't want to lose them. And I didn't look into it because that's what I was going to say. I was like, what happens if you're got all the, all these students and like you let them all die? Then like, is the monastery just like vacant? <laughs> no, 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 like um, I think I think what happens. Well, I, I don't want to actually no. Let's, let's not do that. I don't want to tell you that. That's spoilers. <laughs> okay. Cool. Anyway. Either way, that it doesn't happen that way. Okay, it's good to know. And they're still around for story purposes. But then you won't be able to use them in late game either, which is unfortunate. Yeah, so once you lose a unit, you still lose them for the whole game. It's just a question of how permanent it is for the story purposes. Yeah. If you lose them in the latter half of the game, then they're then they're like dead, dead, and then they don't invest it in. Then they're not invested in the story in any way, I guess. Yeah. Once you get to the second half of the story, once a character loses their HP, they actually die on the battlefield. So. Oh, okay, that's why they didn't make a big deal of it. Okay, I understand now. As far as other newer things go, we were talking about some farming stuff there with the Nino Kuni discussion, but uh, Doraemon Story of Seasons came out last week, I think it was. Last week or two weeks ago? Something two weeks ago. It's been out for a little bit, uh, but I decided to pick up the demo on the Switch. That is a very pretty game. I don't know anything about Doraemon, but it does have all the charm of it. Uh, just in the demo, it starts you a bit later in where the farm's kind of already established, but they still introduce all the basic concepts to you. But all the characters... It sounds like they have all their like they're not. It's not fully voiced. Like they all just kind of have catchphrases um, in Japanese of just like "Hi, good morning, Yash," you know that sort of stuff. Yeah. Whenever it frames with kind of what they're saying in the text bubble. Okay, so and, it's, it's kind of like um, I don't think any like Harvest Moon or Root Factory game has like fully voiced. I think they're all. It's always just like you know, just a, like a word or two. Yeah, exactly. And it's the same for this, even though they obviously have a lot to draw from with those voice actors and everything. But it's enough that it adds the the charm of 
the show and for people who are fans of Doraemon that they'll get that little flavor from their characters and it adds that kind of Saturday morning cartoon spunkiness to it mm-hmm. that uh, the whole game just seems to kind of reek of like it's it's beautifully designed like it's kind of funny because I mean I, I have the first story of seasons and it's okay it was a little rough uh, I never got to the second one or whatever because again it was just I'm like yeah, I still got a farming game that I still haven't completed like I don't need more farming games on the console on this handheld uh but this one is is such a a leap from the first one just in terms of design like the character models are great the hand-drawn kind of backdrops are beautiful like i want to explore every single house in this village because it just reeks of like it just reminds me of childhood like watching cartoons that are well crafted like just the the wholesomeness the the softness of it having you know, those days where you're just watching like a Ghibli film and just like how cozy all the houses are and like the design and all that too. Like they've just done such a great job of capturing that kind of nineties kind of cartoon feel into this game. And then with the added charm of these characters that people have known for generations, it's it seems like a really neat game. And the only thing that keeps me kind of like, eh, not investing is just, I don't know anything about Dorimon. So I was like, I kind of want this just to be Story of Seasons. It's not not a crossover, so to speak. But at the same time, the crossover seems to work in the favor of the amount of effort and uh, production value put into this game. So, so far, the demo is is neat. It's more farming. It's a lot of what you seem to expect. But you get, like, these added bizarre gadgets that come from uh, the characters, like the, the Anywhere door. So you can have that on the farm and you can use that to travel anywhere in town, for example, and you'll get some other stuff that will like do Insta grow. So like the local farming community are like, what is this weird gadget that your magic cat just kind of made happen? (laughs) So that kind of stuff adds a little bit of fun and charm to it. And yeah, it's, it's lovely. And as far as I know, uh, yeah, Derek Heemsbergen, uh, formerly of this podcast also worked on it doing some localization, if I'm not mistaken. Right. Yes. Which is super cool. Yeah. He put on Twitter. Yeah, it's super neat that he got involved in this. And again, so far, good job to Derek and the rest of the localization team. Uh, what I've been reading is very fun and well put together. And it's, yeah, so of its time and still so fresh as well. So it's all in all a really polished game. And I'm going to have a hard time not investing in it on the Switch because, I mean, there's other things. There's still Stardew Valley that I can get on the Switch as well. So it's just like, what kind of farming experience do I want? This one's definitely a lot more traditional, like Harvest Moon experience, where it's about the farming, you're not out battling monsters and this and that and the other thing. So it's just, I guess, what you want if you don't want to go that deep into the crafting and whatnot, and you just want a nice, simple, casual farming game, this looks like it might be the road to go. So I don't know. I might get into that. But again, I already have Story of Seasons in a portable on my 3DS, so it's like, do I need another one? I'm not certain yet. Yeah, it's, it's, ever since like the story season that Harvest Moon split, I feel like the quality of like, like I guess quote unquote both series has kind of declined. Yeah, like the latest Harvest Moon, the Lighthouse of Hope or whatever it was called, I can't remember what the heck it was, but it looked like a tacky um, mobile game. Yeah, it just, just doesn't. They just don't look good anymore. I, I don't know. Like that's part of the reason why I stuck to, I guess Rune Factory. I guess since the split. Of course, you know, Rune Factory, I thought, died back in 2014 when they made Rune Factory 4. But they're refreshing it because 4 and 5 are coming out. Yep. So happy with that. And I can see that. But if Doraemon Story of Seasons is any indication of the team's direction, like it seems like maybe the A-team is here now. And if they keep developing Story of Seasons with this kind of quality, 
then that'd be great. Like, I don't know if it's just because they have money from the production company that works on Doraemon, maybe that bolstered it a bit or what, or the art team from that came on board. I'm not certain, but it's, it's a beautiful looking game and definitely has a lot more polish and a lot more, um, it's a lot better playable. It doesn't feel as like stiff, I guess, as the original one felt. So maybe this could be a, a second coming for this series as well. I don't know. Yeah, it's because that's probably the reason why I also didn't get into it because I thought uh, I don't know not enough about Doraemon because I was so I didn't know if I would be able to get into this one or not. But maybe I might give it a shot. Might, might as well just download the demo. Yeah, exactly. Try the demo out and see if it's for you, and just you know wait for it to go on sale or not. Whatever, we'll see. And we also have a review coming of that at some point, so I'll be uh, interested to see what's said about it. Anyways with someone who's gotten the full experience starting from the tutorial at the beginning and working their way through it all, because it just kind of throws you in a bit with the option of tutorials, but it's still, you don't know anybody in the town where it seems like they all know you. <laughs> that part threw me off just slightly, just because I was like, oh, okay, cool. I'm midway through the game, so everyone knows me, but I'm still in being introduced to basic mechanics. But I already know the mechanics because I've played this for enough, so it was interesting. Uh, coming out soon, we've got The Outer Worlds. A lot of reviews are coming out about it looking real sharp because Embargo just lifted, or is lifting shortly. But it comes out on October 25th. I watched the latest launch trailer. It does look rad. Like, it's kind of like Bioshock in space and more with our more RPG-y elements kind of thing. And, you know, I guess in the same vein as Borderlands and such as well. I don't know. Uh, is it on your radar at all? Um, it, it's kind of on my radar. Like, I'm kind of... I don't want to say I've been turned off of Western RPGs, but... It's been such a long time since I've played one, but uh, I might I might dive in and give it a shot uh, if I have ever have a spare time. It's uh, the one by Obsidian, right? Yeah, and of course, a yeah, stand-up Western developer. But I can understand if you've been so immersed in the Eastern RPGs, it's a bit of a jump to go back to uh, the Western world, so to speak. Yeah, because I missed out on like all of, like the most recent Bethesda stuff. So, like, and Bioware has just been, you know. I don't want to talk about Bioware. So, like, basically, my kind of, like, Pour one out. <laughs> this is kind of my attachment to the Western uh, RPG world's kind of, like, just waned lately, so. But, uh, yeah, if I ever have a spare moment, I'll probably give it a shot. Yeah, because it's looking real sharp. That's for sure. And then uh, the other game that I'm excited is coming out, though it's still a far ways off, and I still need to watch the series, is Dark Crystal Age of Resistance Tactics. Uh, they just had a new trailer for that drop not too long ago that gives a little more into the characters from the show. Now that the show's out, they can show a bit more of that. And uh, I'm guessing we're going to get a lot more revealed now that the show's been out, and they're not going to be too worried about spoiling things. But yeah, I still need to watch the series. I want to go back and rewatch the film with uh, Annette and then go through the series, and then I'll probably be pretty hyped up for this. But I don't know. That, uh, well, that being said, the trailer, as much as it's looking really nice in a lot of ways for uh, graphically how they've crafted the world, the tactics element they haven't gotten too far into, but it looks still a little stiff and stilted. Uh, so yeah, I'm just kind of waiting for Annette and I to be able to uh, watch the movie again together, watch the show, and then get into it. And and it's yeah, it, the game looks like it's kind of shaping up nicely from this trailer. It looks a little stiff, but I guess we'll kind of see how things go as it goes along and how in depth it will get with the the, the I guess the RPG elements of the tactical game. Because it definitely, on paper, looks like a strategy tactic game, but uh, I'm going to guess that there's some class development and character growth and everything you can do in there as well. So we shall see as more details come out. I'm enthused for it. It's, uh, like I said, at E3, nothing I ever thought we would ever get. Didn't think there'd ever be a Dark Crystal game. (laughs) 
Yeah, no, it, 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 when I saw it E3, I was like, this is a certainly, like, an odd one. Because I don't think there was even ever, like, a Nintendo game or Super Nintendo game that came out around the time either that I can think of. Was that the same being? Not really. Like, this definitely looks like it's taking, like, a page out of Final Fantasy Tactics or, like, the Sky or something like that. Yeah, exactly. And, um, let me see here. Okay. So there was a Sierra game, an adventure game, set in Dark Crystal way back when in uh, 1981, 83, 1983 on the Atari and the Apple II. Okay. So we, as far as I know, though, I don't think we've seen anything else since. Not for Dark Crystal. I still don't remember hearing about it until that reveal trailer. Yeah, and exactly it. Uh, Have you watched any of the series on Netflix at all? No, I haven't, actually. It's, uh, yeah, uh, Dark Crystal's right in there with the movies like um, The Secret of Nim or like labyrinth where they were kind of geared towards younger audiences but they're terrifying so it's kind of like the weird like weird um like this is meant for children but it's also pretty scary yeah even like the goonies was like you know kind of riding that edge as well so it's kind of interesting these bizarre games of the 80s that uh, oh. or not games i sorry these bizarre shows of the 80s that yeah that rode that line between like terrifying kids but also were kind of digestible shows for kids as well <laughs> oh i guess my, my example is courage to cowardly dog yeah, I can see that Courage had some bizarre drug trippiness to it all. Yeah. At any rate, uh, that more or less wraps things up from what I needed to talk about. Was there any exciting news that you're ready for? Uh, anything like that I'm waiting for? Yeah, like any recent news that's come out that you're just like, yeah, that you're enthused about or any games that are coming up that you're uh, looking forward to? Uh, what's out this month? Man, it's sad when I'm so like laser focused on my games. I don't even know what comes out this month. Um, the one, I guess, they're just waiting right now for Sword and Shield, and if Factory 4 Special gets released this year, which I don't think it is. Yeah, I'm not sure either. Because, uh, I think they actually recently posted that, uh, there's, like, it's coming out this winter now, so I was thinking, well, the, the winter me could be, you know, January, February, too. Yeah, it's it's riding the line, that's for sure. I hope it's not too close to Tokyo Mirage Sessions, because that, that game's gonna, you know, be my life for quite a while. <laughs> And that's dropping, is that one of the ones that comes out like next March, like everything else? No, Tokyo Mirage Sessions comes out, what, January 16th, okay. around there. So, Happy New Year to Nathan. Indeed. <laughs> well, Nathan, thank you so much for making the time to come on the show today. It was fun having just a nice quick chat with you about uh, yeah. quick hits through a few uh, games that are out these days. And uh, I look forward to reading your reviews on both those games when they drop. Uh, hopefully your reviews, I'm going to guess, are coming out in the next couple of weeks. Yeah, it should be out soon. Like, Minion Kuni one especially will be out within a week or so, I want to say. Um, then Little Town Hero, I can wait to guess, so see if that game gets any better, then I'll wait my review. That sounds good, though. And uh, as always, everybody, thank you so much for listening. Uh, if you want to chat with us in any way, shape, or form, podcast at rpgfan.com is our email address. We are at rpgfancom on Twitter. Email me at gregd at rpgfan.com or find me at Greg Delmage on Twitter, Instagram, gdelmy on our Discord channel. And uh, Nathan, where can people find you? They can find me on Twitter. I'm at SmashKing27. And uh, you can find me on our Discord channel. I'm SmashKing. Thank you so much for listening, everybody. Go check out Retro Encounter. Also, go check out Phoenix Edge Podcast, our awesome partnership that we have with Hat and Eric, uh, where they kind of talk about all the latest and greatest gaming stuff. They keep up better than I do because maybe they have a better budget for uh, buying games. I don't know. <laughs> they do them. But uh, they've been really cool folks to have on. 
the uh, RPG fan team, and hopefully they'll be on a podcast with me as well sometime in the future. Until next time, folks, take care.